Vibrant Podcast brought to you by me, Michael Kimball, and Jalen Utsi. We are without our other friends this evening, but we could not help but talk about the heat and the bubble and everything that's been happening. There have been some really great bubble stories so far. We have the Phoenix Suns going 8-0. and We have the really fun run from the Trail Blazers. Dame taking on more swagger than I've ever seen. Carmelo getting a little... Um, you know, credibility back. We have the Nuggets coming back from two, three, one deficits to win two different series like that. The Bucks collapse, the Clippers collapse. But the best story, and the story still going, the Heat run through the 2020 playoffs into the finals. They're down 3-1, but Jimmy Butler is not counting the heat out, and I am also not counting the heat out. The first game was the injury game, as many of you know. Bam got hurt. Goran got hurt. Jimmy tweaked his ankle at one point. It looked bleak. It looked like we were looking at a sweep for the Lakers. Game two, AD was amazing. The heat missed Bam terribly. On the flip side, Tyler Hero became the youngest final starter at 20 years, 256 days, taking that spot away from my guy, Magic Johnson, who was eight days older. And then game three, we had the wonderful Jimmy game, 40 points. It was Jimmy and four shooters. Uh, I think it was Zach Lowe. I might have that wrong. Could have been Gold's. Um, Barry. But uh, one of them said Hero Ball worked because The Heat are not a hero ball team. It's antithetical to what they do. The Lakers were not prepared for that. Um, But a really wonderful game in in that sense. We get to game four, which um, the Lakers, as we know, won. It was an incredibly strong defensive effort from the Lakers. They put AD on Jimmy, which was a really interesting adjustment. Um, But it felt like the Heat could have won this game and tied it up 2-2. Jalen, what do you have on game four? Yeah, I mean, that's a great summary of uh, the first three games of the series. And I think, uh, you know, what you were saying about game three, the idea of hero ball with two R's, right, uh, for Tyler Hero. (laughs) But, um, yeah, Jimmy, they were essentially isolating Jimmy on smaller guys, KCP, Kuzma, um, Caruso, uh, Rondo, anyone not named uh, AD, really. Um, but uh, <laughs> right. Jimmy Jimmy did work against LeBron as well. And it was working, as you're saying, because they had four shooters around Jimmy. Everyone was spread out. They were flying around. He had, um, I believe he had 11 assists, 11 or 13 assists, something like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, M- Myers Leonard got some playing time. Kelly Olynyk was knocking down shots. Obviously, you got Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. So, it was a monumental performance for Jimmy, and I think it at least laid the groundwork and sort of showed what uh, the Heat could maybe try to do with Jimmy and four shooters. But the Lakers did a really good job countering that in game four by putting AD on Jimmy, as you said. Yeah. Um, and it didn't happen immediately. Like, AD was guarding Jimmy from, from the beginning, but uh, Howard started the game, so they were 
they're running these pick and rolls with uh, Bam here in game four, which was four or five pick and rolls for for right. the Lakers, which meant that they just switched it for some reason. Um, right. And Jimmy was able to turn the corner. He scored and got an and one on Dwight Howard another time. Um, there was another play where same pick and roll alignment. Bam slipped the screen. Jimmy threw him a bounce pass and he got a deep uh, post touch. He just missed a shot on AD, but they're kind of getting good offense out of that. And then they just, the Lakers started to drop back. They had uh, Anthony Davis go in a really aggressive drop defense because right. they're like, Jimmy doesn't want to shoot the three. He doesn't really want to even shoot a two, a two point <laughs> jumper, a mid range sure. jumper, it seemed like. So. Um, they were able to do that, and really, I think that they turned... were inviting those those mid range two point jumpers, and yeah. yeah, he clearly didn't want them. And then some of them even seemed like shorties, gimmies, almost. You know, the kind of shot I would have been happy to take at any point on the court. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jimmy went one for seven with AD as the primary defender in Game Four, um, and Howard was one of the few switches they made on him, and he torched Howard <laughs> at a couple of different yeah. points. Um, and then LeBron also played a fair amount of D on Jimmy, and that seemed to uh, trouble him as well. Just that bigger body, the extra length. I wasn't entirely sure what aspect of it Jimmy couldn't get around. Um, but, yeah. yeah, I think I, th- I didn't actually read it, so I should I should read this and everyone else should read it. But uh, Mike Prada, uh, I think formerly of SB Nation, has a great article. It's I think he called it uh, and I'm forgetting the title now, but he, he did a deep dive on like how Jimmy was sort of setting an angle uh, in, in game three that the Lakers kind of prevented him from getting and how right. AD's length prevented uh, Jimmy from getting into his body and taking away his jump. And he was able to kind of hang back, let Jimmy get get into the paint, but still use his length to the to affect the shot and right. or even chase him from behind. So that was a that was a really great strategy. Yeah. It was a great counter. And I think what it did was it turned the um jimmy butler duncan robinson handoff pick and roll game into like something that the heat had to rely on because the threat of duncan robinson shooting a couple times really uh made the lakers pay for that aggressive drop so there was it i think it was some point in either the second quarter or the third quarter but um robinson is like screening and re-screening ad he's tangled up with ad and then he runs off of a handoff of Jimmy Butler knocks down a contested three with Caldwell Pope basically in his jersey. Another time it was Caruso who was uh, guarding the pick and roll and Caruso was supposed to show out on Jimmy and he just he just kind of stuck his hand out. He didn't really like stop him. So Jimmy was able to get around the corner. But also what helped is that AD ran smack into the Duncan Robinson screen like he he caught his whole body. And so I think that was a counter that he tried to go through go to and it worked well but i think it probably would have worked better if jimmy had been willing to take a couple of those jumpers that were there for him right right so let's talk a bit more about duncan robinson uh because his offensive game changes what the heat can do his defensive game leaves some things where they have to make some adjustments to accommodate him how are you seeing that plus minus working yeah, so I mean, I think you would have to say, as far as things go right now, that um, that the Lakers are sort of winning that in in the aggregate, just because they're up three one, and you saw we saw late in the game in the fourth quarter, KCP got some buckets um, on Robinson, and and I should say, right. so you know, game three, AD was in foul trouble and he didn't really have a great game, and it seemed like they put Spo knew that they were going to want to get AD going, so he put Bam on 
on AD from the beginning of the game. And so AD really never really got going there, fronting him right. in the post and coming on the backside with weak side defenders to prevent the lob over the top. So they did a good job on AD, but it was clear to me that Vogel uh, wanted to get AD and KCP going. The first two plays of the yeah. game were handoffs for between AD and, and uh, KCP, and KCP got around the corner on the first one. Um, Bam had to come over to help. He threw the lob to AD. AD got a dunk. And there was a, another drive late in the game, uh, KCP. They swing it to KCP, pump fake, drive to the right, lays it up over Duncan Robinson. That was a huge basket late in the game. Yeah. Um, there was another time KCP drove baseline. Um, and I took a screenshot of this when I was rewatching the game. Four people went to went to KCP in the corner. Robinson was the low man. He was there. Iguodala left AD for some reason to go help. Uh, Hero was there. It was just four people around KCP, kicked it to AD, <laughs> right. AD knocked down the three. So KCP had a great game, and yeah. you know he's yeah. been the butt of a lot of jokes throughout the year and throughout his career. But, I mean, he played super well. He, he had 10 points. I think he was – I'm going to look it up now so I have the specific numbers. But he had 10 points, and he was um, – he was uh, plus, what was he, plus one in the first quarter. Uh, he was four for six from the field, had two assists. I think he finished with five assists on the game. So those assists were really huge. Like, yeah. I think the, the thing is LeBron is, is still LeBron, like, some of the time, but he can't do it for every single possession, I think, at his age. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, he's getting fatigued. So those random offense and random creation from guys like KCP and Rondo – are super important. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it feels like you know all the conversations pre-series were the Lakers have the two best players and the rest of the the top eight might be Heat players, and I feel like we didn't really get to see that on two levels because Goran and Bam were out, so Goran right. probably would have been that third best player in the series. Yeah. Um, you know, outside of assuming that AD and and LeBron are better than Jimmy and Bam, then you've got like. You know, it's it's it would probably be Jimmy, Bam, Goran, the the top three after that. So, um, so we didn't really get to see that. But then, yep. um, also like KCP is a two way player, whereas Duncan Robinson really isn't. And same thing with Tyler Hero. So even though they might be better offensive players, um, they they're being taken advantage of in this series on the other end. Yeah, no, I mean, seeing KCP catch a little swagger in this series and even in this playoffs was was a bit of a surprise. I mean, he's been somewhat mediocre for three years, um, gets trashed repeatedly for that. But I think I want to say it was Polinka who had some quote sort of like it feels like mana from the heavens, <laughs> KCP mm-hmm. hitting these threes. So and I'm, I'm sure it does feel like that for him. I mean, it's a vindication of of everything he did in his role uh, there with the Lakers. But um, yeah, uh, KCP getting going has been a big problem uh, for the Heat here. Yeah. And it seems like like I was saying before, it seems like even Danny Green, there was a weird stretch in the third, early in the third quarter where Danny Green had like four straight possessions of like being the primary creator. He missed a three off of like LeBron threw him the ball. He caught it. He just stared at Tyler Hero, took a three, missed it. Very strange. He got a movement three that he got open. He missed another one. He turned the ball over on a drive. Um, and then he again, he, it was a baseline drive. He kicked it out to KCP because Duncan Robinson had overhelped on the drive, in my opinion. KCP kicked it to Morris and Morris hit a three. So there's a weird stretch where 
Danny Green was was doing a lot of things and it didn't really go well uh, in the <laughs> sure. aggregate, but the Heat couldn't really take advantage of it. So that was something that I noticed that I thought was not great. Um, but yeah, I think I think Vogel really emboldened KCP and Danny Green. Like when you have Hero and Robinson on you, you like you can you have a little bit more freedom because right. that way it's it's not only on LeBron and AD to take advantage of the mismatches. Right. Right. Yeah. Do you think, um, you know, talking about Hero and Duncan Robinson, do we get a lights out shooting game for either of them that changes this? I don't know. It seems like I I think that like the Lakers are everyone has been this quote has been thrown out there like um, the Lakers are a two star team. They have a two star model and their third star is their defense. And I think that's broadly true. And again, hat tip to KCP because he's chasing Duncan Robinson around. And that is <laughs> yeah. no easy task. And he's in his jersey. Like people were saying Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero missed open shots in this game. Duncan Robinson missed like two open shots. All the other shots he had were extremely well covered. Like um, KCP was in his jersey. Kuzma fouled him on a three. Um, he had a drive to the basket where I thought he got hit on that they didn't call. Um, he made a three over Danny Green and he got up and the entire bench was calling for a foul. Like he, he had tough shots. To, in my opinion, it was really Hero, Crowder, um, and, you know, the other guys who were, who were missing open looks. Hero had a number of open looks. The, the Lakers went to a zone for some reason in the middle of the game and they, it ended up in a wide open three for Hero in the corner. He just missed it. Another swing, swing action. He had a wide open three above the break. He just missed it. So, I really think it was like guys like Crowder and Hero who were missing those open threes. I think Robinson, again, like he was, um, he was plus five in a game that they lost by six points. Right. Um, so I really think that like it's hard to overstate how important he is for the offense. Like sure. Tyler Hero is a better offensive player than Duncan Robinson because he's more versatile. He can put the ball on the floor. Yep. He's got the floater game. Um, he, he can uh, attack and transition better because of that ball handling skill. He's, uh, he's more comfortable shooting off the dribble. Um, but Duncan Robinson is one of the best movement shooters in the world. He's probably one of the best shooters, period, in the world. And he's kind of getting treated like, you know, the classic um, Warriors play is a four on three after you double Steph Curry uh, behind a three point line. And right. that's what they're getting sometimes out of yeah. Duncan Robinson handoff plays like. When things were bogged down, the only time they were getting quality offense was when they were involving Duncan Robinson in the play. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, no, he he obviously changes the game and the offense. I was reading a piece that was talking about three aspects of the Heat offense. One was Gorin in the pick and roll, bam, out of the high post. And then the, the third prong of the offense, I can't remember who wrote this, was was basically Jimmy. And, mm-hmm. But and I'm sitting there thinking, well, wait, what about what about yeah. Duncan Robinson? What about Tyler Hero? What about the shooting here? Yeah, you, you know, and Jimmy getting buckets, I guess, kind of goes with that the the shooting aspect too. It's Jimmy and shooters, um, so I would put those together. But you cannot ignore the three point shooting from the Heat, and you know, in an above average game, you know, small sample size, I I, I just feel like that could win any game for the Heat here. Yeah. Yeah. The real the real issue is sort of like so in the quote that you just said, I would say that Robinson and Hero are probably art of that a part of that like um, 
elbow game that Bam Adebayo is. So it's not only Bam attacking whoever's in front of him, but also the guys running around with screens. But yeah, I think the issue for the Heat is that they kind of have to work a lot harder for their three-point looks than the Lakers do because they have yeah. AD and LeBron. And so also the Heat are really packing the paint to try and keep LeBron out of the out of the paint on his drives and keep AD from getting to the free throw line. So those threes yeah. are kind of open there. They, they they almost want them to take those because they, they'd rather KCP and Rondo and Marquise Morris be the ones shooting than, than AD and LeBron. But with the, with the Heat, you know, all their threes are – they're getting some just sort of standstill corner threes, but unfortunately most of those are going to Jay Crowder, who they I think the Lakers yeah. are kinda like, eh, the Jay Crowder aggression is here. We expect it we expect it to stay, yeah. so we don't mind you taking yeah. those shots. Right. We'll let him take the three. The the Laker point and the heat packing the paint, um, kind of interesting too, because game three um, I can't. Re- I, I have this stat somewhere. Game three. Oh, the Lakers only shot 28% of their shots at the rim in Game three versus 40% in the regular season. And it was clearly the Heat defense giving them certain shots, which the Lakers were happy to take. We saw that change. Uh, they, the Lakers made a fine adjustment to that in Game four and sort of took took that advantage away. But um, it was it was a great Game three adjustment, I thought, from the Heat. Yeah, definitely. You definitely got to try and keep the Lakers out of the paint. And another thing that like a small adjustment that I assume Vogel instructed Danny Green to do. Danny Green was pressuring Tyler Hero's dribble up the floor, um, which, you know, works two ways. He got a poke away steal at one point in the game for an easy two. But even if he doesn't get the steal, what it does is it slows down the heat offense. So the heat, they want to run multiple actions on almost every play and you need shot clock time to do that. So if you take away five seconds or, or longer, uh, forcing a guy to avoid getting his pocket picked in the backcourt, then you've got less time to run those multiple actions. So that was another subtle thing that I think the Lakers did. And yeah, there's a kind of patience to the heat offense that you, you see them poking, prodding, making the pass, do, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, and they're super. And, the, and so you're right, you're like losing, losing five, six seconds, a quarter of the shot clock, you, you know, that that very greatly diminishes the number of options you can create off of that. So, right. Yeah. Great, great adjustment from the Lakers to take that away. Yeah, I feel like we're seeing a lot of late shot clock you know, made threes or plays for both teams. And I think it's a testament to like, you know, just how good they both are that you really have to play the full 24 seconds of the shot clock. Otherwise they're going to get good looks. And, you know, the Lakers have more talent. So like a lot of their late shot clock stuff is like AD shooting a fall away or LeBron shooting a fall away or getting a foul late in the shot clock. But the, the heat really need that full shot clock to, to get through all their stuff. So yeah, it's tough. Right. Did you have other game four thoughts? Um, um, yeah, I think I had a. I mean, I, I tweeted about this. I just think Hero. I mean, he. What was he like? Minus thirty two or minus thirty five in <laughs> yeah, game yeah, one? Was, yeah, it was bad. And and I think you can see that. Like he's got the worst. Um, he's got the worst defensive rating in the series uh, by a pretty wide margin. And he had a number of like boneheaded mistakes or not even boneheaded mistakes. Just like he was a bit too casual in this game, especially in the first quarter when the game was close and the heat maybe had a chance to take control of things. So he missed, um, he missed a transition layup with Anthony Davis chasing him, which is, you know, a scary proposition, but (laughs) Davis didn't really, it wasn't really a hard contest. Davis kind of lazily swiped at the ball. So he missed that. 
And immediately what happened is he was cross-matched on Davis on the other end, so they threw it to him in the post. He got an easy two. He took an early shot clock three another time that he, that missed, and LeBron threw a home run pass to Dwight Howard for a foul. That was Duncan Robinson's second foul. Hero also gambled for two steals, so yeah. he was, as I said, they were fronting AD in the post. He went over to on the backside to double and protect for the lob. AD turned his back, so, you know, it wasn't a bad move, but he gambled for the steal, didn't get it. Um, then AD threw it to KCP in the corner, and he's running. He had to run all the way back to KCP, and instead of, like, stopping, chopping his feet, he just ran past KCP. Right. KCP had a wide open look at the three. Um, and another time, LeBron's driving baseline. He threw the ball to the top of the key, to the top of the three point line to KCP. Hero goes for the steal again. KCP easy okay. easy drive to the basket gets a layup. Yeah. So that one was way too easy. I remember that one. I was just sort of like, what just happened there? We didn't need that turn. Yeah. Um, so so just I think couple too many plays like that for Tyler Hero and too yeah. many questionable shot decisions. Another one that was crazy. He came down in transition. LeBron's in a stance in front of him, and he's just like, oh yeah, this is the matchup I want, and he just attacks <laughs> LeBron. And then that's that's the one where Vogel challenged. They said LeBron. Took Touched it uh, on the block, but he didn't, and so the Lakers got the ball back. But I was just like, "What is he doing? Why? Why is he yeah. just attacking LeBron yeah. like this?" I mean, I love the confidence, but you yeah. have to have some recognition. Yeah. So, you got to like, recognize your limitations, so you, you got to yeah. be more judicious and maybe try and get some better shots for him. But in his defense, he did hit that crazy 15-foot teardrop over AD. So that was he's, beautiful. He's got the shot making. <laughs> yeah, that was that was came down from the heavens yeah yeah so um game five tomorrow night looking for any other adjustments from the heat or lakers well i, sh- I certainly hope the lakers don't have <laughs> as the better team and as the team with lebron sure. james but i mean i think for me the one adjustment and you know i think spo is an amazing coach but Kendrick Nunn played all of the second quarter. He played, uh, I believe, 26 minutes in this game. He's just he's just not good. He's not good. Like, he's a yeah. uh, first guard. He's undersized. And he's not scoring right now. So he's pretty much useless. He's as much a liability or close to as much a liability as the other two guys, Hero and Robinson, on defense. Um, but he's not nearly as good on offense right now because he's not yeah. making shots. So... I'm not really sure what he's giving them. Uh, the idea, as you said, before we before we started recording, he's supposed to approximate the Goran Dragic pick and roll, um, another creator, someone who can get two feet in the paint, but he's not doing that right now. Kuzma yeah, was able all. to stop him. Um, like he can't really get by anyone. There's a weird hesitation to a game. I don't know if it's mental or physical or what is happening, but you see those little blips and then the action is gone and he can't do anything. Yeah, and um, he was overly aggressive. He he took 11 shots, which was more than Bam, more than Robinson, more than Jake Crowder. Yeah. Yeah. He was 2 for 11, minus 4 on the game, 2 for That's, 6 from 3. Yeah, it's not what they want. <laughs> So, yeah. so um, a couple other uh, notes on game five. Uh, just my reading from today pulled this out. Game five will be LeBron James's 259th playoff game in a row. He's never missed a game. He's also tied for the most games ever af- after tomorrow with Derek Fisher. 
in those 258 so far games, his usage rate highest all time, 32.1 percent, which is just kind of staggering. And uh, I hate to give you this stat, Jalen, but his (laughs) closeout win percentage. Do you want to take a guess at it? Is it like 100 (laughs) percent? It's not 100 percent, but it's very high. It's 79.2 percent, his closeout win percentage. So that doesn't bode particularly well for tonight or tomorrow night. The other thing happening tomorrow night, the Lakers are wearing their Black Mamba jerseys again. They're 4-0 in the Black Mamba jerseys. Does that worry you at all? No, it doesn't, actually. (laughs) It should, because they haven't lost in those jerseys, but... Uh, the reason why it doesn't worry me is because if there is going to be some sort of like uh, insane comeback, some sort of 3-1 collapse, as we saw with the Warriors, yeah, I feel like wearing the Mamba, the Mamba jerseys ahead of schedule, because they weren't supposed to wear that. They were supposed to wear this, I think, in Game 7, yeah. uh, if they got yep. to Game 7, so... They're 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 not respecting the process, right? They're not respecting yeah. they're not respecting the process. You got to put the work in. Well, um, so I feel like yeah, maybe the agree. basketball gods will take note of this and reward us and say no, 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 not so fast. Here's the other thing I think the basketball gods may take notice of. If there's a and, and, and I saw this might have been LeBron, it might have been a different Laker, but they invoked the Mamba mentality. They were wearing the, they were going to wear these jerseys for the Mamba mentality. The problem here is the Heat have more of a Mamba mentality than the Lakers do. And I'm going to accept LeBron James there and maybe even Alex Caruso because that kid just plays, <laughs> you know, crazy all out. But it's the, the team with more Mamba mentality is the Heat. Like there's some irony there that could that um, I would love to see a game, uh, you know, five loss from the Lakers that gives us a game six. And yeah, it um, feels like they're 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 preparing for the coronation before the coronation before they've earned it. So so I hope that that backfires on them and the heat can take the game. And so, Jalen, the phones are lighting up. Um, we have a question in from longtime listener, sometimes joins us as a guest, Christopher Shannon. He wants to know what offseason moves will Miami make? Oh, good question. Um, I think the question, the main question for them is whether or not they want to re-sign Goran Dragic, which I feel like they should, if for no other reason than culture and respect and rewarding how good he was in the bubble and, and getting Jimmy's them to the finals. teammate ever. Yeah. <laughs> so so I think, honestly, they're going to probably hand out some fat one-year contracts to Dragic yeah. and Jay Crowder. Um, Iguodala's under contract for next year, obviously Bam and the young guys. So really the question is... Uh, uh, Derek Jones they, Jr.? It yeah, the only other user. like he's, he's a, a question. Myers Leonard, Myers Leonard's gone, I assume. Yeah, uh, Derek Jones Jr. I could see them letting him go for the lack of shooting and the way this team's developing. But I mean, you know how much I love his game, so I would love to see him back there. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of hope he comes back. I mean, for his sake, I don't know. He can probably, maybe he can get more money in another location. So maybe it's not best for him to come back. But yeah. 
I don't know. I like him on the team. He he's a really fun player. He's sort of weird. He plays like the the power forward position as a roller on offense. Like he's like right. as you said, he's not a shooter, but then he can guard point guards. On the other end, he, he his gave, length is insane. That yeah. when he was playing the top of the zone in different games, like yeah, I, I loved watching that. He gave Trey Young some fits this year. He gave Damian Lillard some fits this year. Like. He's someone you can just throw on a point guard uh, randomly, and he'll do a pretty yeah. good job. But, I mean, he can also guard, like, threes and fours if they're not too strong and overpower right. him, right? So, yeah, his length and quick hands are really good. So I, I hope to see him back. I hope that they can – I'm not, like, off the top of my head, I'm not really sure what their cap situation is like, but I hope that they can improve the roster somehow. And then, obviously – There's you know, some money that rolls off. Solomon Hill's, like – 13 million he's gone Myers Leonard 10 11 he's out like there's there's some room um yeah and then uh, next summer obviously is is the summer of Giannis and sure <laughs> and every and everybody else so I mean he's a pretty good fit there uh yeah. in a variety of ways I'd say okay we have another question coming in uh over the phones uh this one another longtime listener David Smook also a sometimes guest he wants to know what are Jimmy's Hall of Fame chances oh man I don't know I feel like I'm gonna answer this just out of left field because I really don't know but it seems like he would get in right like I mean I think playing. he would get in if he keeps playing at a decent level for the life of this contract and maybe like a few more years after that, I, I think he'll get in. I mean, he's got a finals trip now. He's yeah. playing really well in the finals. Um, he I mean, played he pretty finals, well in the playoffs last year. He has a finals trip that most people credit him with being the key mm-hmm. factor to creating. And I think, you know, Hall of Fame decisions sometimes come down like like if if it's a, any if it's any sort of borderline decision, that sort of playoff play, you know, given the rhetoric we we read in all the sports reporting these days, that has to push him over the top, I think. One of the things that's fascinated me here is how Jimmy can, with the exception of game 4 where AD slowed him down how jimmy gets this done at this level against almost any kind of player mm-hmm. uh like that sort of top end differentiation that when, when you can create it in those most important moments it was Kawhi with the raptors last year that won them the title you know it's a rare rare thing um yeah and, and it, there's been a lot of conversations on the internet about Jimmy and Paul George and who's better and stuff like that. And I think it's just yeah. Jimmy's better. Like, I think oh, Jimmy's maybe, better. maybe at one time Paul George's defense was, was something like Jimmy's, but I don't think or it's because of his anymore. shooting. Possibly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that was the, the thinking that because of his shooting, his length and his defense. But I don't think Paul George is a one on one defender. He used to be. Um, and I just don't I don't think he's having the same kind of impact on defense that he once had. And his, as we saw, yeah. his shooting yeah, can yeah, come definitely and go. Not. Right. And his playmaking is not non-existent in comparison to Jimmy Butler. So I just think that yeah. like Jimmy Butler just impacts winning, I think, more than Paul George does. Right. right even if it's not scoring, rebounding or even assists, Jimmy affects what happens in the game and the outcome. Like he makes those differentiating plays. And yeah, we, we definitely did not see that from Paul George, who just sort of disappeared over half of the games uh, in, in, in this playoffs. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, like, what's been your perception of the finals? Like, are you enjoying it? Is it fun? I I know there's conversations that people are like, oh, it's a letdown of a finals. And, you know, 
I mean, I, I loved Game 3. I thought Jimmy going off was just really fun to watch and all of that. Um, I watched part. Of, I didn't watch all of Game 1 because I found the injuries so disappointing and I just didn't want to watch the sort of blowout that was inevitably happening there. But I thought Game 4 was just a good, fun game and, and sort of excellent to watch. You know, one of the drawbacks for me here in this series is the Lakers, who don't really have a point guard, except mm-hmm. for when Rondo comes in and the offensive end isn't that fun to watch I don't think for the Lakers so I find that a little disappointing but the Heat have in my view made up for more than any of those lacks on the Lakers part just in terms of fun and a fun team watching I love how hard they play I love how hard they run just all of that stuff Um, I've been rooting for them because of that and yeah, like that aspect has been fun to watch. Would I have rather seen Heat Nuggets? Like, yeah. Like that, <laughs> yeah. Like that would have been a much more fun series to watch. But, you know, it's LeBron. And and I think I'd probably made this announcement, pronouncement somewhere on the pod um, when we were going in. Uh, the LeBron, you know, you can't count LeBron out. It's 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 always going to be that um and so you know we're looking at that i to some extent i've thought the whole bubble play besides getting you know some sense of normalcy back in america which hasn't been the best in a lot of arenas though the nba has handled it very well like yeah so i i i wish it were different um teams i wish the Heat hadn't had those injuries. Without those injuries, I think this could have been an incredible series. But I also would have wanted to give the Lakers Avery Bradley back, too, to yeah. sort of <laughs> even that up a little. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think, I mean, like, as you said, last game, game four was just like a good old fashioned great basketball game. You know, both teams really digging down to play quality defense and running their offense and making adjustments, smart adjustments. So, yeah, like and obviously game three was amazing because Jimmy was just unstoppable. And, he, you know, he gave LeBron the business, which is not something you really see. Um, I mean, you could yeah. say Kevin Durant did something similar, but Kevin Durant had a much better team around him when he did it. And he was sort of like, you know, he was getting buckets in a way that I think was maybe a bit easier and less isolation heavy than what um, Jimmy was doing last night. So, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it was it was it was just really fun to see. And the, I, I, I couldn't help but notice LeBron's reaction. End of game four. They're up by six. I can't remember who hits that three pointer that puts them up nine. The Lakers up nine. And there's, I want to say there's 40 seconds left at that point. There was an enormous sense of relief. You could see it cascade mm-hmm. through the Lakers organization, but it was the close-ups were on LeBron, and you could see it all over his face. And it, I thought that was really telling. I, like The Lakers were afraid of this yeah. team, and the relief that showed up there was, was, was really um, – just obvious yeah you're right and i mean you saw it uh jeff van gundy noted this that lebron was kind of only coming out of the game when jimmy butler came out of the game for (laughs) for the most part um ad played 41 minutes lebron played 38 minutes um you know so so yeah there there was a sense of urgency there markeith morris started the second half played 30 minutes in large part because he started the second half um, so th- there was that sense of urgency and that sense of relief when they secured the victory. 
which is another thing that I would say I was kind of disappointed. As I said, Kendrick Nunn played 25 minutes. Um, Bam only played 33. Tyler Hero played 37. Jimmy played 43. But, yeah, Bam and Robinson only played 33 and 32 minutes. So I would have liked to see those guys yeah. kind of get get up there, which I know is tricky because you have your set rotations and there's right. you don't want guys to play a full quarter sometimes if they're not capable or used to doing that, especially if they're Duncan Robinson who's just running the entire time True. he's on the floor. So but it, they have tricky, to give nuns yeah. minutes to somebody. And I'm even giving Myers Leonard minutes to somebody yeah. too. So yeah. somebody besides him i mean it's so. like it's tricky it's weird though because Myers leonard it's in an extremely small sample but his plus minus and his offensive rating when he's on the floor has been great and yeah. i think spo is kind of afraid of like what will happen to him if he's out there too long and like lebron right. hunts him or like he just gets taken advantage of on the defensive end which is fair which is a fair concern but i mean Kel- uh kendrick nunn's not doing much better like can we see Solomon Hill? doing worse? So like, yeah. can, can <laughs> yeah. we see Solomon Hill or even Derek Jones Jr. and sure. like figure out how to get Derek Jones Jr. as a role man around some shooters or, or something, yeah. you know? Yeah, definitely. So I, I, I have a question for you. Lifelong Heat fan, uh, watching this run um, – through, through the 2020 playoffs, it just I realized that that has to be incredibly fun for it to happen to your hometown team. Hasn't happened to the Pistons in quite a while, so I've sort of forgotten what that's like. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, and so I want to ask you about that, and I'm just going to throw a, a second part of this out here too. You know, realizing the Heat won the finals in 2006, 2012, and 2013, you were born at a great time to be a Miami Heat fan. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I really was. And I should say, like, I, I, I certainly watched the 2006 finals. I really remember that. I remember Dwayne Wade banking in three-pointers um, and banking in most of his shots from the left side of the floor with his, like, patented post moves and turnarounds. I remember him getting to the free-throw line constantly and every Mavericks fan uh, later on Twitter saying it was rigged and the refs won the series. <laughs> right. You know, so so I remember that, but I think I really got into basketball because I grew up playing baseball. So I really got into basketball, I think, around the time where LeBron came to Miami because I was a Dwayne Wade person and I was just like Dwayne Dwayne Wade's better. Like uh, Dwayne Wade's blocking more shots than LeBron some years or most years, I think. And, um, you know, I'm just like LeBron's all not not that he was all hype, but I was just kind of like, I feel like he there's an MVP award that Dwayne should have won that LeBron got. Um, so I was like, I'm going to watch as many games as I possibly can in the 2010, 2011 season to see how good LeBron was. And it became clear fairly quickly that LeBron was indeed <laughs> better um, yeah. because LeBron would have like a subpar game for like the first half. But then he, you look at the score, the box score, and he's got 15 points, five assists and five rebounds. And it's just he kind of yeah. defies logic, like the standard for LeBron's play, like he had a. He almost had a triple-double in game, what was it, game three. He had, like, 25, 8, and 8. He also had eight turnovers, but, like, that was a legitimately bad game, and he almost had 25, 10, and 10, right? He almost had a a 25-point triple-double. Like, yeah, yeah. so he sort of defies logic in that way. But I think as someone who's, like, a small human being, 
I've never been like an ex- a LeBron <laughs> fan, so all my all my right. favorite players have been much right. smaller. Well, I love too that the the AD was getting the MVP f- for the finals talk after games one and his really strong game two, and that disappeared immediately after game three when AD didn't have much of a game. Yeah. They lost, and LeBron was the one who put up the line. Um, any any issues with you? Ha- you know, LeBron was on two of your Miami Heat championships teams. Is this hard to watch? Um, I mean, I'm just gonna say this. Like, I don't want to be one of these like anti anti LeBron people, but like, if LeBron is not on your team, he's annoying. Like the same way I <laughs> sure. imagine, like any superstar that's not on your team is annoying. Like seeing Steph Curry shimmy if you're not rooting for him, or you know, seeing James sure. Harden languidly st- uh, like making cashing step back threes is probably infuriating. So, yeah. but it's also just like. If the opposing player that, you know, of a game you're watching is constantly complaining to the refs, that's also really annoying. And LeBron yeah, was gets doing old. that so much <laughs> last game. He was doing that so much. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's it's just like I think you just kind of feel like, my God, he's complaining to the refs the entire time. He's kind of flopping these yeah. days. He's flopping more in his old age. And you're like. Pick a side, man. You can't be like complaining to the refs and flopping and also be like the biggest, strongest, fastest dude out there. But I mean, that's just fandom. You know, that's just being like, oh, I just want my team to win. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no sympathy for a guy that large in comparison to even the unbelievable athletes around him. I just have no patience for him complaining about his lack of calls or, you know, anything else here. So, uh, all right, I'm going to give you a chance for your game five prediction. Um, I think the Heat will take it. I mean, maybe this is hope. I picked the Heat in seven on the With the Call podcast with Terry. Um, I don't really, I didn't really expect the Heat to win, honestly, um, which is maybe, was maybe like wrongheaded seeing how well they played in game three and game four without Dragic um, and with Bam sort of limited. And this is another thing that I want to say. Bam has obviously been injured, but he keeps getting in foul trouble when he is playing and when he is on the floor and Spo kind of seems reluctant to play him through that foul trouble. So that's been a small storyline also. So I would have really liked to see the heat at full strength, see what they could do, see what they could muster. Um, But yeah, I I think they'll get to a game six. If, if for no other reason, then they'll play with even more urgency and the Lakers might have a bit of a letdown. Um, And, you know, Spo might be able to make some adjustments to the AD guarding Jimmy Butler. So I'm thinking and hoping that they'll manage to get it to a game six and put some, some, some pressure back on the Lakers to close it out. Yeah, I'm hopeful just to see a more competitive series, too. Goran was updated to or upgraded to doubtful, which is better than what he was. Um, (laughs) So, you know, maybe he comes back. We saw him on the court before game four. Um, So I'm hoping for a game six. But I'm going to say even if the Heat lose game five, which would leave the series at 4-1, I'm still not counting the Heat out. I think Jimmy's (laughs) going to find a way. <laughs> yeah, like uh, as our friend of the pod and sometimes guest Chris Shannon said, uh, "Heat in 12. <laughs> right there, you go. <laughs> that's, heat in that's, twelve. That's, that's exactly the phrase. He he nailed it. He hit it on the head. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, I think that is it for this uh, episode of the Shot Tower Pod. We are turning off the phantom power. Cheers. Cheers.